being true to yourself is something I live by, but that doesn't mean it's easy. I would be lying if I said that I don't doubt myself. I would be lying if I said I don't question myself. I mean, there's still times of like doubt and uncertainty. What I try to really make sure in my messaging that comes across is not this like fake toxic positivity, like think happy and positive and everything is going to work out because yes, having an optimistic outlook is important and bringing in the good energy and that's all important. But ultimately being authentic to yourself also means loving the dark parts of yourself too. And not just the positive, happy, energetic, happy-go-lucky. And I think that that's really been the biggest shift for me is like looking at me, Caitlin, and loving all of me. Hey, babe, are you overwhelmed and burnt out by never-ending to-do lists, constantly giving your time to others, and feeling out of balance in your personal life? And are you ready to get absolute clarity on your life's purpose and activate the best version of you? Then it's time to ignite that inner fire and rediscover the fierce, confident woman you are born to be. Welcome to The Beam Life, where myself and other guests empower you to take steps toward the life you want so you can truly be everything and more. I'm Caitlin, your empowerment coach, new bestie, and lover of all things leopard print. It's time to get this party started, y'all. Hey, babe. Welcome to the 100th episode of the Beam Life podcast. I like wish I could literally show you what I'm feeling inside. But if I could describe it, it would be like 10 billion butterflies all over the air and colors with glitter and disco balls shining. I have excitement. I have adrenaline. And this is also something totally different because, of course, we had to do something different for the 100th episode. And so the love of my life, my partner, who I call chicken, but the rest of the world knows as D, will be actually taking over the podcast today and asking me some questions, which I'm not going to lie, I have no idea what's about to be asked because I specifically didn't want to know. And so I am, again, nervous, excited, but really more than anything, happy to share my story and, you know, a little bit about just the growth of the beam life and and how we've gotten here. So babe, the floor is yours. I'm so happy you're here. I love you. I love you too, babe. You know, it's so funny when you introduced the episode and said, hey, babe, I thought you were talking (laughs) to me, but you're not. You're talking to your audience. I'm still talking to you. I'm always talking to you. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) But how are you feeling? Uh, You know, this is your 100th podcast episode. You asked me to interview you for this episode in which I feel completely honored to do. How are you feeling though? Uh, Like I said, you know, if I could like visually have a picture of how I felt, it would be just tons of butterflies because it's exciting while at the same time a little bit crazy and chaotic. I feel like even though it's been three years, I am continually learning things 
all the time, not only about just the podcast world, but also about myself and how to be an entrepreneur, how to be a mom, how to be a better partner. And so it's just been this really intense growth journey. But what I love the most is that if you go back to episode one and then fast forward to now, I really do feel like it's captured my journey along the way and highlighted some of my growth. So yeah, I'm feeling very confident and excited about where the podcast is and also really looking forward to more of what's in the future, but very, very proud of what has transpired and, you know, gotten us to now the 100th episode. I have to say that now you were living as your authentic self, but it always hasn't been that way. And I want, when you asked me to to do this, I do interview people for a living. For those of you that do not know that, um, usually celebrities are like filmmakers. I am a celebrity. Um, I'm the most important celebrity. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So when Caitlin asked me to do this, I thought about, well, what what do I know about her that maybe I want to ask her to share some of her experience of what got her there? And I want to get I want people to get to know a little bit more about you and who you are, why you are, because you have shifted from a life that you thought you were supposed to be living, a common thing that people do, to a life that not only are you thriving in, but also helping other women come along with you and live their best lives. I've witnessed it myself, and it gives me all the happy feels and the wow. It is so powerful. So let's jump in. (laughs) Are you ready for these questions? They're pretty... Easy and hard. (laughs) So people might think that you were born and raised in Los Angeles where you live now, but that's not the case. Where were you born and raised? I am a born and raised San Antonio Texian. (laughs) I would say I I think that the Texasness is still a big part of my identity. You know, I haven't dropped the y'all. I think that's the best part that has carried with me. But yes, I also have lived other places, which I'm sure we'll get into. But yes, born and raised in San Antonio, Texas. And a little thing about me is I was also born and raised in Texas outside Houston and Dallas. So we actually, through our relationship, noticed that we lived in kind of the same places all through our life. So before I dive into, I want to talk about your childhood a little bit, but I can't without mentioning your parents were divorced when you were Mm -hmm. young. Um, You have a lovely relationship with both of them, as well as your brother and sister. Once your parents were divorced, your dad lived in another state. Your mom lived more as a single mom, raising three kids, working full time. You probably think I'm going to ask you some really deep question. (laughs) I'm ready for whatever you got, baby. Whatever. <laughs> but it's not. But it's not. You tell me stories of your mom and your siblings eating breakfast together, mm. no matter what. Why did you have breakfast together every day growing up? Uh, I've, you know, part of my childhood, I have some really fond memories at the breakfast table. And yes, I've shared those with you. And it's funny because my brother, our sister, and I would probably all have different memories that we have from that time. But because my mom worked full time and we were all different ages, so I'm three years older than my sister, and then I am six and a half years older than my youngest brother. 
So we were all at like different places in our lives. So during the day and after school, we had different interests, different activities. I was definitely the social bug. And so I wanted nothing to do with my younger siblings at the time. Now they're like my besties. But at the time, I was like, I am not hanging out with you. But at the breakfast table, it was like we all were just a family. And it really felt like a family. And even though I hated getting out of bed, I was like that wicked teenager that never wanted to wake up. I still made it there for breakfast. And to this day, it's my favorite meal of the day. And I think that's probably why. It's like, I think I told you too, when I would go to friends' houses growing up and they wouldn't eat breakfast, they would be like, oh, we're just going to have Pop-Tarts. I'm like, what the hell is this? I don't want to, I'm never sleeping over here again. This family's weird. They don't eat breakfast together. So yeah, breakfast is my jam. And that's that's what we did. I just love that. I, I wish that I had that in my life. I think it's so important to have those family moments. And I was always envious of that um, when you tell me those stories. Well, let's start it. Why not? Why aren't we having... <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> let's do it too. So for most of us, 13, the age of 13 is when we start to see the realities of the world. And we aren't kids anymore. Was there any kind of shift around that time that you felt that you had to be a certain way or were you supposed to do this or that? You were kind of coming into your own, but also seeing like, oh, wait, I can't be like this. I got to fit into the norm somehow. Did you ever have that in your life? Oh, yeah. So what's really interesting is I had a job starting at about 12 years old. I've talked about this on some other podcasts. It was at our local boutique, and it was like the cool, trendy place to shop. And yes, I realized 12 is not legal working age, but they paid me in store gift certificates, and I got to work there on the weekend and earn shopping money. It was like the best job ever. And so what was really interesting is that I was 12-ish when I got that job, and I was working with women who were probably at the time, they seemed like my age, but they were far older. They were 18, 20, 22. And that's a big age difference from 12 and 13, right? And so I had a lot of exposure to what it would look like to be a young adult. And also what was really interesting about this time in my life is obviously there's puberty. That's not unique to 13. But what was unique about my circumstance is that I really struggled with body image. And I didn't realize that until later in my life because I kind of just like was the funny girl all the time and the guy's girl and like the best friend. And I just thought if I remained kind and funny that I wouldn't be made fun of. So at that age, I really started to recognize for the first time that my body was different and I was bigger than my friends and maybe looked more like a woman than a teenager, right? And so those were some internal battles, I think, that really started around that time in my life. And I I think it would be probably around that age that I noticed a shift in, you know, I was still wanting to hold on to that little girlness, but I was really being exposed to like being what this next chapter held for me, right? Like going into 16 and then 
young 20s. I was really being exposed to that. So I don't think at that time now looking back that I was probably really ready for that leap. But nonetheless, that was my experience. So yeah, I, I really feel like looking back, I should have stayed more of a kid for longer, but I really grew up really fast. Yeah. Would you say that anything about your personality, even uh, as you were a teenager, was never compromised, like that you still have with you now? Oh, what was never? I would say my rebellion, but it was compromised as an adult. But I've always been a rebel, I really think, since day one. <laughs> and we laugh now because my daughter is also, I would say, a rebel in a different way than I was, but definitely has a streak of uniqueness where she likes to do things her own way. And I would say that I've always been a rebel and sometimes for good cause and sometimes for not, but I've never liked to follow the rules. And I think that that probably has followed me my whole life. And I love you for that. <laughs> you know, definitely. Love the rebels out there. Fuck the rules. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's move on to like 18 because mm -hmm. what were your hopes and dreams at 18 years old and why did you move to New York City? I mean, that's pretty unconventional for a Texan to do is like New York City, you know? <laughs> I love these questions, by the way, because like you're really challenging me to think about times in my life where I'm like, what was I doing? I don't know. Let's see, 18-year-old Caitlin. So why did I move to New York? That's the question, yeah. right? What were your hopes and dreams at 18? Oh, yeah. So like I said, I was working at this boutique, and it wasn't for just to make money. It was really truly because I loved fashion. I've loved fashion since as young as I can remember. I was always designing Barbie clothes and dressing outside of the box and could never just have something the way it was. I always had to like customize it, right? And so I was very passionate about fashion and design. And that is what I knew I wanted to do for a really long time. When I was seven, my dad took – well, maybe I was older than seven. Maybe I was probably closer to like nine or ten. My dad took all of us, my step-siblings and the three of us, to New York. And I had never been before. It was the first time I had seen New York City. And I literally remember telling my dad and coming back from that trip being like, I'm going to live here one day. And everyone was like, okay, sure, whatever. I was like, no, no, like seriously, I'm going to live here. And that was really all I ever wanted to do. I was like, what do I need to do to get to New York City? And that's exactly what I did. I fell in love with fashion and I applied to the only college uh, that I was like, if it's not this, it's community college. And I applied to FIT, which is the Fashion Institute in New York. And for those of you that aren't aware, it is not a private fashion school. So it's really hard to get into because the tuition level is far less than like, let's say like a Parsons, right? And so, and all that's required, at least at the time where I went, was 
an essay. So that was the only thing banking on me getting into this college. And it was actually called Fashion is My Passion. I look back now, I'm like, why did they choose me? I don't know. I love that. But (laughs) so that's what I wrote about. And that's what got me to New York. And I was aspiring to be in the fashion industry. Again, I grew up really fast. So in high school, I was watching Sex and the City probably not the best uh, show to be watching as a high schooler. But I was like, yeah, I'm going to be Carrie Bradshaw. Like, I need this in my life. I want to do this city life and I want to be the fashionista and I want to live the fast life and do the thing. So I did. And it was awesome. The Beam Life is more than a podcast. It's a sisterhood designed to encourage and empower women to take steps toward the life they really want and deserve. I want to invite you to our exclusive yet inclusive free community. Don't miss out on the monthly community calls, mini events, member spotlights, opportunities for giveaways and prizes, and so much more. Join me and other women just like you today by clicking the link in the show notes or head to the Beam Life Build Your Dream Life community on Facebook. I can't wait to see you there. I love it. And, you know, you probably didn't want to leave New York. Probably a fun city Mm -hmm. to live in. So that brings us to, I have to talk about your energy because some would call, I'm not an energetic person in comparison. It's quite opposite. <laughs> but, you know, what I noticed about you right away, and I think what a lot of people notice about you is you are an energetic person. Have you always been such an energetic person? And how do you get your energy? Like, it seems really natural, and maybe it is, but do you have to work at it Interesting. All? And, and that's two-part, right? So to answer your first question, yes, I've always been energetic But also sometimes, like I'm outgoing, and I think sometimes people can mix the two up as outgoing and energetic. Sometimes people are both, and sometimes people are one or the other. And so I would say I'm both. I'm both outgoing and energetic. There's a story my mom tells. When I was 13 months old, I got third-degree burns from coffee being spilled on my neck. So if you have ever seen me in real life, in person, you'll know I have a big scar on my neck, and that's from coffee. And there's a story that my mom tells. You know, I'm 13 months old. I had this massive skin graft. And I'm being wheeled out in this wheelchair at the hospital. And I have this halo in my head. I mean, it's just like when you see a kid like that, you just your heart sinks like, oh, gosh, this poor child. And my mom says it was like nothing ever happened. I was just going around the lobby of the hospital going, hi, 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 you know, talking to everyone. And she said, you know, if I was unsure, that moment made me very clear of who my child was because I was just unfazed and wanting to make connection and have this energy and talk to people. So I would say I'd probably be like that my whole life. I, you know, loved musical theater. That was a big part of my life performance. But where I get my energy is um, I do think a lot of it is natural. I think some people just have a, a zest, but I, I really am obsessed with life. I think I have a hunger for it. I love to be 
pleasantly surprised by the unexpected. So I never know what's going to happen. And I love that. And I think that it keeps me just always open and willing to try things. And there's excitement and adrenaline in that. I'm also an adrenaline junkie. I love those things. So yeah, I, I think that. And then you asked if it's hard. What's harder for me is to be calm. It's easy for me to be energetic. I find it very difficult to be what most would call chill. And I can be, as you've seen, right? I, I can be chill. I have proof. But I would say that's harder for me than, than it is to be energetic. I think it's a perfect balance of our relationship. <laughs> yes. I bring the calm, you bring the energy, and sometimes we have both together. It's very beautiful. Yes. So moving on a little bit, I think you had a lot of fun and some hardships to overcome in college like all of us did. Um, it's an age where you're finally finding who you are. When you describe this time to me, I see a lot of the person that you are now. I, there's a lot of things that I see, the go-getter, the fun personality you have, your love of fashion and style, your energy, the per person you are today. But you lost it after that. I think it's important to discuss the things uh, that shape us, even when they're hard, even when those moments, those times are hard for us. Give us a glimpse into how you got off track from your authentic self and settled for a life that you were supposed to have. Why did you fall back into that supposed to life after leaving yeah, New York Yeah, so after New York, I left to here, LA, and it was supposed to be temporary, but you know, they say LA sucks you in like a vortex and it does. And I'm happy I stayed because, you know, I got to meet you. But yeah, so what kind of happened was a series of things. As I mentioned early, I have always struggled with my weight, my body image, and it kind of bugged me a little bit in my high school years. And then when I went to college, I was like very, in a way, liberated because fashion school, people don't give a shit. So I didn't feel the extreme judgment that I did living back home. Then I moved to LA and the judgment came flooding back. So I went on a pretty extreme weight loss journey. There's two parts to this. The one part is I found personal development. And this was the first time that I had really understood the power of manifestation, the power of our words, intention, habit setting, goals, right? So there was a lot of big stuff happening. I was also really on my own. I grew up in a town where we went from kindergarten all the way through graduation. And then when you go to college, although no one from my high school went to my school, everyone there is looking for friends. Well, when I moved to LA, I had no friends. I knew no one out here. I had one girlfriend, my best one of my best friends, Mallory, but she was, you know, finishing things up with school. Things were crazy. We lived very far away from each other. So in reality, I just really didn't have any kind of community or friendship out here. So there was a lot of self-discovery. There was a lot of alone time and like trying to figure out who Caitlin is in this chapter. 
at this time, I would say, you know, it is in my young to mid, almost mid twenties at this time. And a lot of my friends from back home are starting to get married and, you know, Facebook was really, is still popular, but it was very popular then. And it was like, it seemed constant of every weekend there was images of weddings and someone, you know, people were starting to get pregnant. And part of me just like couldn't help but think like, hmm, should I be doing that? Like, am I, I don't, you know, everyone asks like, oh, are you dating anyone? Are you interested in anyone? Are you thinking about getting married? Do you want kids? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Like, should I be thinking about this? And so I really do believe that seeing other people I know kind of get into a different track than where I was because I was living a very fast-paced, what some would call glamorous, fun life. I was traveling all the time, being a celebrity stylist. It was nonstop, for the most part, single for a lot of that. And it was it was really fun and adventurous. But then like part of me was like, well, I guess that's not reality to do forever. So I should consider probably settling down. And there's that word settling down, right? Like, why do we call it that? Like, why do we call when we get with someone and get married settling down? I think that should be eliminated basically from the vocabulary. But yes, that's kind of how I got there. Would you say that you still getting married and living the life basically of someone else's life, you know, and this happens in a lot of marriages where it's like, okay, it's you're trying to balance everything, work, kids, whatever it is. And there's times when, you know, especially in the male-female dynamic of the male's like, oh, I'm going to go to work. And obviously you're staying home with the kids and your dreams aren't important. The man's dreams are important, which I think is a problem for any relationship, whether it be queer or straight or whatever. It's uh, There should not be one person ruling the rooster Mm-mm. or roof, whatever it's called. <laughs> <laughs> ruling the rooster. What is that? Um, <laughs> so... Did you have passion during that time of your marriage? Did you still have dreams and hopes and or did you just say bye to them all? Oh, and gosh, you it? know, this is still, I would say, if I'm being honest, something I'm really actively working through in real time. Because when you go through something like a divorce, it's it's really a trauma. It's a traumatic event. And there's so many emotions and things going on that it makes it hard to process or understand things that got you there. So now that I'm through that, I'm really reflecting on, you know, much like this podcast, how did I get there? Like what happened? What was the shift? And so to answer directly your question, yes, I have always been a dreamer. I've always been someone that has aspirations and goals. Always, always. I really can't think of a time in my life where I didn't. And here's sort of, I guess, what was happening from the best of my understanding. Because like I said, this is something I really believe I'm processing still 
in real lifetime. And that is that when I went through my weight loss journey, I became really in love with fitness. And what I realized later is that it wasn't the fitness that I loved, the fitness coaching aspect. It's what changing your body and mind can do for the rest of your life. And what I really, what that has transpired into is what I do now, which is coaching. I love coaching. I love watching people transform before their very eyes and seeing what they are capable of when they thought they could never do the thing before. Because what I did in my fitness journey from being really overweight, losing 80 pounds, and then doing an Ironman triathlon, I mean, that's a big journey. And I wanted to help other people do the same. So when I say that I had dreams of being a fashion stylist, it didn't mean that I also never wanted to go into fitness. There was definitely part of me that wanted to do both. To give backstory, my now ex owned a very small fitness community. And when we met, I went all in with the fitness basically and left my fashion career. Part of me told a lie to myself and said, well, you know, especially now that I'm having a baby, it's not realistic for me to be flying everywhere. It's not responsible. I shouldn't be doing that. And so there was part of the guilt factor in that decision. There was also a part that the fitness business was really growing and I felt like I needed to be there. So yeah, I gave up a big part of what my dream was in the fashion world to go over here. But do I regret that decision? Probably not. Just because standing here today, I don't want to do fashion. So even though at the time, maybe I wasn't ready and I made the leap for the wrong reasons, which was to kind of sacrifice some things at the time for what I felt was like the greater good, which was like the family and the the, the gym business. I can say that through all those trials and tribulations, it has been revealed to me that my purpose in life is to coach and is to be doing what I'm doing in this very moment. And I'm not sure if it wasn't for all of those missteps that I'd be able to like really understand and feel so much gratitude for finding what I'm doing now. Both you and I believe that everything like, you know, we can control how we move forward, but there's other forces involved that say, okay, you're going in this direction, but you need a little bit of this. I'm going to pepper this in. You need a little bit of this. I'm going to pepper this in. And, you know, then it's like, okay, I'm finished. I'm going to pass you on. You can control for a while and maybe I'll step in. And what I call this, I believe that sometimes that steps in, the, whether people call it the universe, higher power, source, God. And sometimes it's like the universe says, hey, well, if you aren't going to do it, I'm going to shift you because you're going in the wrong direction. And I think a point three years ago, you were moving in that mm -hmm. way. Then boom, Then it's like, boom, the universe says, boom, here you go. I'm going to throw off everything. And this is, you know, I'm going to place, you know, this person here. Can you tell us what happened? You mean tell our love story? <laughs> that was a cataclysmic 
situation in all the word, in all the sense of the word of cataclysmic, it really was a big boom. Things were really salty, I would say, is the best word to describe it in my marriage. And I always try to keep those details um, short because, for one, it's no one else's business. But two, it's not quite super relevant always to the story, right? And so for many reasons, we were just not a good fit. And, you know, you keep playing these games in your head, or at least I can't say you, I have to say me. And I think that's a big thing. I'm learning to shift when I tell stories because my experience is maybe not your experience. So at the time I was really in a very big place of, of doubt. I was struggling, very much struggling. There was a lot of tension in my household. There was a lot of uncertainty with, you know, things I wanted to do. I wanted to kind of go a different direction and really start what is the beam life, but I had a different name for it at the time. And there was just, you know, butting of heads, right? And after a few months of that, you know, I had really was like, I'm just going to sort of start living my social life and see what I can come of this. And through that is the day I met you. And it's funny when I tell this story because when I say that meeting you changed everything, it truly changed my life. And so people are like, well, because you met someone, everything changed. And so while I would love to say that it was you, it really is what you represented to me. And that day when I met you at the party, you know, after months of just really trying to figure out and struggle, like, what was I really doing? Was I really happy? Is this just how marriage is? Because that's what everyone kept telling me. Marriage is hard. You don't always get along. This is just what it's like. Something about that didn't seem right to me. You know, I'm like, so you mean that I'm just supposed to like be okay with being okay? Like, but I want greatness. I want like the best. And so when I met you that day and our friendship started to develop, you treated me in a way and mirrored back to me things about myself that I had never been able to really see before. And for that, I'll be always forever grateful because like you said, you can't, what happens outside of us, like you said, whether it's universe, God, source, we will never be powerful enough to understand how that all transpires. But I do know that the universe stepped in in this massive way and put you there as a symbol of what life could be like if I chose myself. That's really what I did in this whole thing. And people can have their own opinion about our relationship and call it whatever they want to call it. But in my eyes, the way I see it is that we, everyone was in a sense, 
saving. They got saved in a sense. Like I was saving myself and saving myself from living a life of mediocrity and not being fully happy, not living my potential. And, you know, I just, I don't know. That's, it, it is what it is. And, and yes, our story is so much more than that. And I think we did share it on our last episode about, you know, how it all transpired. And it's one of the most, in my opinion, beautiful love stories that exists. But it really was because of our love and what it represents to me that I feel so brave because I knew that if I could do this and make such a huge change, like the rest is going to be easy, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Everything you said, I mean, I think, yes, meeting me moved you in another direction, but it was really just the universe stepping in and pivoting your life in every way. It, it was like just this immediate like wake up. And I went on the path with you. I mean, there were things myself that I had to pivot and it was all chaos. Yeah, It was all chaos, but I think you have to just say, hell yes. And that's what it was for both of us, even though there were a lot of hard things. And to see what you've become from that moment of that boom is so Thanks, beautiful. Babe. So I do have to ask, ask you a question. You know, you're obviously part of the LGBTQ mm -hmm. community now. Proud member. You've always, you've always been an ally. But did you ever think you would be a part of the LGBT community? <laughs> You know, I feel like I've always been a part of the LGBT community because fashion school is very much largely made up of the LGBT community. And so I was very immersed in it. My grandmother always had, you know, gay male friends growing up. She was also a fashionista. And so to me, it never seemed like anything different. And yes, I had always been an ally. You could find me at gay clubs every night of the week in New York City. That's where I spent a majority of my time. And so my roommate in college, you know, I doubt he listens to the podcast, but I'll tell him to listen to this one. <laughs> he was always joking with me. He's like, you're such a lesbian. You're just such a closeted lesbian. I'm like, what do you even mean by this? <laughs> And so while he was wrong, I'm not a lesbian, I am a part of the LGBT community. And yeah, I don't know. It's hard because I think, you know, like I was talking about earlier, is always being okay with the unexpected. So I never gave it a hard no. You know what I mean? There was never like where I was like, oh, absolutely not. No way. I believe in life, everything is a possibility. I'm rarely, rarely shocked. I really think if you can like open your heart and and here's the other really interesting thing. Yes, I'm a part of the LGBT community, but I really, you know, besides really being with you and other random times in college, but really being in an established relationship with you, you are who I love, you know? So it's really hard to even think about sexuality in a different sense because I've always said like, well, 
yes, if being with you means I'm part of the queer community, okay, great. I'm part of the queer community. But truly, what I'm in love with is you as a person and being able to be open to that love. And I couldn't imagine of having such a hard wall up to say, well, you don't look like other people I've loved in the past before. So this means that we can't be together. And to lose out on an opportunity of greatness like this, that would be so sad. So I'm really grateful that my heart has always been open to possibility because this is truly one of the greatest things that's ever happened to me. So yeah. And me too, the greatest thing. (laughs) And your LGBT (laughs) journey has changed too, by the way. Oh, yeah. I'm part of many of the alphabet. (laughs) The LGBTQ plus and on and on. And on and on and on. Yeah, many of the letters. But this podcast is about you. (laughs) So my last thing is... How beautiful is it now that you can live the way that you want to and always stay true to yourself? What does it feel like? I will say that being true to yourself is something I live by, but that doesn't mean it's easy. I would be lying if I said that I don't doubt myself. I would be lying if I said I don't question myself. I mean, you know, you live with me, so there's still times of like doubt and uncertainty and am I good enough? And is this going to work? So what I try to really make sure in my messaging that comes across is not this like fake toxic positivity, like think happy and positive and everything is going to work out because Yes, having an optimistic outlook is important. And yes, writing down and being positive about and bringing in the good energy and, you know, putting away the bad. Yes, that's all important. But ultimately, being authentic to yourself also means loving the dark parts of yourself too. And not just the positive, happy, energetic, you know, happy-go-lucky. And I think that that's really been the biggest shift for me is like looking at me, Caitlin, and loving all of me, even the parts that still need a lot of work and even the parts that some would consider quote unquote bad, which I think is horrible. None of us are bad. We just have light and dark parts and we couldn't have one without the other. So being authentic to me, really means loving all of that. And it feels really fucking good because it really helps me to block out a lot of the noise because there's always going to be someone that doesn't like what you're doing. There's always going to be someone that thinks you could do it different, do it better, that wants to one-up you, that wants to compete with you. But there is only one you. And I think if we waste time not embracing that and trying to be someone else, that's when the shit hits the fan. So yeah, it feels good because you know, you can't make a mistake being you. You know what I mean? If you're just being you, then you're just being you and you can't fuck that up. (laughs) I love that. I love to love all parts of yourself. That's a really Mm. good message. 
and yeah, there's only one you. And so, babe, how did you think I did on the questions? I'm you, and I'm talking to your audience, babe. Yeah, when I say babe, babe, not you. No, seriously, I I loved this these questions because I talk so much about the beam life and you know goal setting and empowerment and loving yourself and. I don't get oftentimes to share about what got me here and why I'm so crazy passionate and obsessed with doing what I'm doing. And I wake up every day. I mean, literally, you know how much I love the beam life. It is like everything to me. And so it's like my second baby. And I love it so much. And I'm so passionate about it because... I know that from doing this work that I'm not alone and we need other women to step up and share their stories and their voices because like I said, there's only one you. So even if you think there's another story out there that sounds the same, no one else has lived your version, your life, right? So yeah, thank you for highlighting and giving me an opportunity to share a different side of me than I think the podcast has ever heard before. Yay. Well, you've also been such a huge impact on me and have inspired me to keep being my authentic self and to love all the parts of myself. So I'm very grateful for our love. I love you so much. You. Thank you for everything. Mwah. Thank you for listening to The Beam Life. I'd be so honored if you would take a sec to leave a review. Ready to take the next step and join the sisterhood? The Beam Life community is a place where you can just take off the mask, feel seen, and form authentic connections with other like-minded, kick-ass women. We do not do surface-level shit in that group, babe. Click on the link in the show notes or head to the Beam Life Create Your Dream Life community on Facebook. I can't wait to see you there.